Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. So it looks like it's possible we've got a 46th president elected. Um, President-elect Joe Biden as of right now. And some people are saying, well, this whole thing is, uh, is not over. It's premature to call it. You know, um, others say, yeah, he's the guy. And we know that over the next few weeks, there's going to be recounts and there's going to be motions filed with the courts and all that stuff. And uh, much is unsure right now. But there is one thing that we do know for sure. At the end of these few weeks, uh, we, we're going to find out who our president's going to be, but that's not really the thing that I'm talking about. The one thing is for sure that's the truth today, and it's the truth a few weeks from now, and it's the truth forever and ever, and that is Jesus is the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Amen. No matter who sits in the Oval Office, Jesus is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And so we're going to, whoever is elected, whether it's uh, President Trump is reelected, whether we've got Vice President Biden, if he's going to be the guy in the Oval Office, we're going to pray for those leaders. And uh, we're going to do our part to be good citizens of the kingdom of heaven as we affect our citizenship here in America. Amen. I want to share with you a prayer that rose up in my heart last Wednesday concerning all this. This is a prayer for the nation. And I just wrote it out. Heavenly Father, as we come to you, we first recognize, God, that you are good, that you are true, that you are holy, and nothing changes that you are good and that you are true and that you are holy. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the cornerstone. You are a firm foundation. You're the rock that is higher than anyone or anything else. You are unshakable. God, we intercede on behalf of our nation. We ask you to help. God, this is, this, I prayed this earlier in the week, and we continue to pray. God, we ask you to help with an accurate count of ballots. We ask you to prevent any kind of foul play or fraud. We ask you, God, if there's already been foul play or fraud, that you would make that come to light and it would be reconciled. God, we pray that we would not be one nation under Trump, that we would not be one nation under Biden, but we'd be one nation under God, one nation under you, Lord, you and your true kingdom with absolute true indivisibility, true liberty, and true justice. God, help the church at large in America. Help us be united in these days. God, we're seeing pockets of division even in the church, and we say no to that. We refuse that. And I pray that believers and church leaders would come out of agreement with division, and instead we would come into agreement with you that, you, we, that we would be one with you and that we would be one with each other. God, Help us be a bright and shining light in the darkness, a city on a hill, a lamp on a stand that is not hidden. Use us to be a beacon of hope in the name of Jesus and his authority. God, forgive us if we've made idols out of anything or anyone. God, we truly only want to elevate you to the highest place, the highest place of love, the highest place of honor, the highest place of praise and glory. God, all majesty to you, all glory to you, all praise to you, all honor to you, all worship to you above anything else or anyone else. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us walk with boldness and humility simultaneously. Boldness and humility humility coupled together. 
as we spend time in your presence, develop in us the well-formed fruit of your spirit in our lives so that the world will know. Not just so that the nation will know what the election results are, but so that the world will know you and that they would see your love manifested in us. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth, and you've lit us on fire, and you've seasoned us, and now we, in your name and your power and authority, are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Holy Spirit, work through the church. Work through us. Amen. Amen. Um, when I say boldness and humility, I want to say this, that for some of us, Maybe we've not seen that executed very well. We say, Lord, grant us boldness and humility simultaneously. Be it, let it be coupled together. I think sometimes, whether we, we consciously think this way or not, there might be this subconscious picture of humility being the same as timidity, and it's not. Humility does not mean timidity. Um, man, I saw an incredible show of humility on uh, Instagram yesterday, I was scrolling through, and there's a very well-known minister who the, a lot of the church recognizes as a prophetic voice, and he was just saying, hey, I prophesied this one thing. I may have been wrong, and I just want to say, I just want to call myself out on it, and, man, and it was just so full of humility. It was so fuel, f- full of just hu- humility, but it, also boldness. And it's like, man, what a great leadership moment. Man, I, God, I pray that the church can, can learn from this right now. And we don't know what's going to happen still. We have no idea. If we look back in the year 2000, that whole thing stretched out over about, you know, uh, almost, almost 40 days. So who knows what's going to happen? But regardless, like I said, Jesus is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. We are ambassadors, not American ambassadors, but ambassadors of the kingdom of God. So we're going to pray for whoever sits in the Oval Office, but it's time to get about kingdom business, y'all. Okay? So let's get on with kingdom business. Friday, I felt impressed (laughs) to basically scratch the message that I had prepared for this weekend. I was going to continue talking about, you know, the soil of community, and we were going to wrap up the Rooted series, and it was really great. I was just, I had preached myself happy with those notes. And, and I just had been encouraging myself in the Lord all week, and I really felt the Holy Spirit said, I, I want to change directions from what you had. Not that what I had was not good, but it wasn't, ha- it wasn't for today. And so I said, okay, well... What, what's for today? And I was reminded of this account in Acts chapter 16, this account of Paul and Silas. And before we get in, and we're going to read the entire thing here, but before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just uh, come to you now, and we ask you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to illuminate your word into our hearts and into our minds. God, I pray that your word would be the thing, the primary thing that shapes the way that we think and shapes the way that we feel and shapes the way that we live. 
God, I pray that we would have firsthand encounter and experience with you, firsthand relationship with you, God, that we, we would not just hear the word of the Lord from someone else and just go, okay, well, that sounds great, but God, I pray that when the word comes, God, that we would seek you and let it resonate on the inside of us and not just take someone else's word for it. God, I pray that when someone reads the word of God, we just wouldn't go, okay, well, that sounds great, but we would find ourselves with our own noses buried in your word, God because we would be in love with your word, because it reveals the person of who you are, because it draws us into to closer and deeper relationship with you, because it draws us into becoming shaped and molded into the image and likeness of Jesus, because it empowers us to do the works of Christ on the earth today. So God, as we look at the word, that's what we pray happens to us today, that we're drawn closer to you, that we're made in the image of Jesus, and we're equipped to do the works of Jesus. The people of God said amen. amen. Acts chapter 16. And I want to point out some things. Here's what I'm going to do. We're, I'm going to read through this. We're gonna, I'm going to point out some things along the way. I'm going to say some things, drop some little nuggets along the way. Then I'm going to, after we get done reading it, I'm going to make some other comments, what I believe the Lord wants to encourage us with. And then, as we're reading through here, we're going to get our praise on. Okay? So, just go ahead and right now, stir up in your heart, get some momentum going, get on the, on the starting line, and as we start reading this, this passage, let it be like the starter pistol firing off, we're getting ready to run to the finish line, and today's finish line is at the end of this message, we're going to get our praise on, Okay? Come on. That's good. I'm serious. You don't need to hold anything back. All right, Acts 16. Um, This is Paul's second missionary journey. And he's, we know he is with, uh, well, we're going to read it here. But Luke is the one that's writing all of this. So we know that he's along for the ride on this. So he says this, Paul went first to Derby, then to Lystra where there was a young disciple named Timothy. And this guy, Timothy, is the same Timothy that Paul writes, to, writes the letters to, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. So this is a, a young like, guy that Paul looks at. He, oh man, this is a protege in the ministry. I really I sense the anointing and call of God on his life. I'm gonna take him under my wing. We're gonna train him up, disciple him to be a Christian leader. So Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. So I had a couple thoughts about this. I thought, man, what a time to be circumcised right before you go on a trip. Um, <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. Yowzer. But the second thing was this, it's like, why is Paul asking him to do this? Because all throughout the rest of the New Testament, we see Paul dropping these, these lines about circumcision or no circumcision. That's not really the difference that's being made. What happens is what goes on in your heart and how it's lived out in your life. And if you get circumcised, but yet you go run around like a sinner, then it doesn't matter that you're circumcised. It doesn't matter that you've you've made an outward sign that you were committed to the Lord if you're not really living for the Lord. So I'm like, well, what's this all about? Well, what this was all about is that 
Paul, again, he is trying to set Timothy up for success. Paul's mother is a devouted Jewish believer. His father is a Greek. So Paul is trying to set Timothy up for success, for influence among the other Jews who would go, oh, are you circumcised? <laughs> so he's just saying, hey, I want Timothy to have an inroad with the other uh, Jews that we're going to be trying to spread the gospel with. And because people knew that his dad was Greek, we needed to make sure this was, there's no barriers, there's no blockades to his uh, path of influence with the Jews where, when they're going to go travel. So that's what that's about. So then they go from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they grew larger every day. Verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. Thank you. (laughs) But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Now, I love that. I love that they're so sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit that they're just not just going to plow ahead with their plans, but they're being sensitive and allowing the Holy Spirit to shape their journey. And they're going, well, this is what we had planned, but we don't feel like the Holy Spirit's telling us to do that now. So we're going to do something different. We're going to go, go in a direction that we have peace with. And thank God the Holy Spirit not only tells us the things that we need to do, but he tells us the things that we don't need to do. Man, there's times where I thank God for the voice of the Holy Spirit and the protection that that comes with staying under the umbrella of his authority. There's all kinds of things the Holy Spirit is going to try to keep you safe from, try to keep you from unnecessary hurt and harm if we just listen to his voice. And you just have to trust his timing. But God, it would be so good if I went ahead and did this. God, it would be so wonderful. That I see this opportunity here. This is what I've planned out. And it says the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let him do that just yet. The Holy Spirit was saying, uh, not now, not at this time. Do something different. So instead, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Verse 9, that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Again, great. Holy Spirit says, don't do this. Don't get on that ship. Don't get on that road. Don't go there. So they just, sometimes when you don't know what to do, you just stop and you wait And that's what we see here. And again, the Lord gives Paul a vision of what to do. Verse 11, we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of, you want to help me out with that one? Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi. See, I can pronounce that one. A major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And there we stayed several days. Verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank 
where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who gathered there, and one of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant. And Thyatira is also mentioned again in the book of Revelation. The, you know, when Jesus uh, writes the seven letters to the, or writes, sends the messenger uh, to the seven churches, and one of them is the church of Thyatira. And Lydia was from there, a merchant of expensive pur- purple cloth who worshiped God, but she wasn't born again yet. And so she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. And then she and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guest. And she said, hey, if you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, then come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Sounds like she was a strong woman. (laughs) Uh, Who maybe had a gift of hospitality even. So verse 16, one day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, which I love that, there was a place and time that they went regularly for prayer that they met, just like we have here on Wednesday nights. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Now, when you read that, you might think, well, that actually sounds like a good thing that she's running around and doing that. And then verse 18, it says, well, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. I'm like, but she was going around following them and shouting, hey, they're the ones that are going to tell you about Jesus, the most high God. Now, how in the world could that be demonic? Because it's the spirit of distraction. Because she was calling people to herself, not to Jesus. She was being loud and distracting. And I'm telling you, I've seen that in the church before. I've seen people that come in who may or may not be born again. I'm not saying that they're not born again. But they are allowing themselves to be used by the enemy with a spirit of distraction. Stop it. I shouldn't be on you. I should be on Jesus. Here's one of these other things here. It's hard sometimes for us to to discern and to divide that everyone that is being used by the enemy, they are not the enemy. It's hard sometimes because it would be a lot easier if we just say, man, they got a spirit of such and such. They're the enemy. And then we just excommunicate them or push them out or turn our back on them. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is that there would be repentance and restoration. Amen? And so, but that doesn't happen if we don't call things out. It doesn't happen if we don't walk alongside people. It doesn't happen if we don't go to people and say, man, I I see this pattern in your life. Can let's pray and let's break this in the name of Jesus and let's get discipled. But sometimes it's just easier. We think, well, I'm just not going to ever call. I'm, I'm going to stop texting them. I'm going to stop calling them. We start ghosting people. We, we start seeing them at church, and they are, walk in one way, and we walk the other way. That's not discipleship. That's not a path to restoration. That's not a path to healing. We've got to walk with people. And we can't just allow that to keep going on either. Not everyone that's used by the enemy is the enemy. That's a, that's, there's a lot of discernment 
on that, though. When people are not willing to repent, when people are not willing to change, then you have to say, sometimes, well, I'm, I'm sorry, we're done here. If you're not willing, if you're not teachable, if you're not willing to repent, if you're not willing to really surrender and follow Jesus, when you're ready, you know where, you know who to call. You know who, you've got my number. It's a lot of discernment there. It's not always just so cut and dry. So Paul cast the devil out of her in the name of Jesus. Verse 19. Her masters hope of wealth were now shattered because this girl would go around and she would have, you know, these demonic spirits tell her things about people and then people would pay her. She was a fortune teller, so the, the people that she was slave to, they, they were out of, out of luck now because that demonic spirit was gone, the demonic spirit of divination. So they grabbed Paul and Silas, they dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace they said this, the whole city is in uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials, they're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. So a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. No trial, <laughs> mob mentality. That actually is a true democracy. True democracy is a mob mentality. In America, we actually have a democratic republic, thank God. In other countries where there's true democracy, you see this kind of thing right there happen all the time. Where it's just like, well, the majority of us say this, and this is what we're going to do, and it wreaks havoc all the time. But look, this is like political science session in church. We have a, dem a democratic republic. All right, anyway. That was free. So they're beaten. The jailer, uh, oh, they're severely beaten. They're thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So they go into, like, full-on lockdown. This is... Um, What's the equivalent of this? This is like death row, you know, right here, the most, most secure place they could put them in. Verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains fell off of every prisoner, and the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself because he knew, if I don't kill myself, they're going to kill me, my boss is going to kill me, and it's not going to be as quick and e easy if I just do it myself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. So the jailer called for the lights, like flip the lights on. No, they came and they had these torches, I'm sure. And they ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, 
believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. And even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into the ha- in his own house. So now they, they go from like death row, lockdown, maximum security. Now they get like house arrest, right? Where you just have the ankle bracelet on. So they're in his house. He puts the meal before them. And he is an entire household. They rejoice because they all believed in God. Verse 35, yeah, come on. Next, next uh, morning, verse 35, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. What happened there? I don't understand why we go from we're stripping them down, beating them in the streets, throwing them into the jail, and then next day we're going to let them go. But that's what happens. So the jailer tells Paul, the city officials have said that you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But then this is interesting. Verse 37, Paul said, uh, they have publicly beaten us without a trial, and they put us in prison. And they're calling us, they're calling out our Jewish side, but we're actually also Roman citizens. So they want us to just kind of leave secretly so they can cover their own tracks? What's the deal? Certainly not. We're not going to do that. If they want to let us go, they need to come down here themselves and face us. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. And when Paul and Silas left prison, they returned to the home of Lydia There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. Now I've heard messages on this passage preached dozens of times. And often when you hear this, you hear the part, Paul and Silas are in jail. They start praising God at midnight. And then all of a sudden, you know, the earthquake happens. The Lord sends the earthquake. The doors fly open of the jail and the chains fall off, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, suddenly, God did something suddenly, and everybody gets excited and jumps and runs around, and we get this impression in our mind that, that yeah, we're going to praise God, and then God's going to deliver us. He's going to do something for us, but that was not why Paul and Silas were praising God. They were not praising God because they knew that God was going to do something. Do you know how we know that? Because they had the chance to run out, and they didn't. They had every opportunity to run out of the jail when God showed up and he shook things up, the chains fell off, the doors went open, and they had every opportunity to run out and escape. So I know that's not what they were thinking. Then the city officials tell the jailer, the the police tell the, the city officials tell the police, the police tell the jailer, they're gonna let you go, go ahead and go. Then they still don't leave, no. So you know that when Paul and Silas at midnight, they're raising their voice to heaven, praising God, they're not doing it to get anything. They're doing it just because Jesus is worthy. He alone is worthy. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He's the cornerstone, firm foundation. He's the rock that's higher than any of us. Now it just so happens God did something there. But again, it wasn't escape. What was the end result? 
the jailer and his family came to know Jesus. They came to hear the gospel. That was the, that was the pinnacle, that was the end result. So many times, we're gonna, man, we're gonna praise God, we're gonna, and then he's gonna deliver us. Well, he might, or he might not. But what we ought to be looking for is two things. Number one, praising God just because he's God, because he's worthy at midnight, because he's worthy in the morning, because he's worthy in the middle of the day. He's worthy at all times. He's worthy if I'm in jail. He's worthy if I'm free. He's worthy if it's Trump. He's worthy if it's Biden. He's worthy all the time. He's worthy if I'm broke. He's worthy if I'm doing great. He's worthy if my marriage is a mess. He's worthy if my marriage is great. He's worthy all the time. It doesn't make any difference. He's worthy. That's why we're going to praise. And then the opportunity for us to look for is not the opportunity to get the thing that we want. The opportunity that we're looking for is who needs to hear the gospel. Who needs to be, who needs to hear the same good news that that I know. Now God is going to continue to do things that he does. That's fine. But it's not some stipulation that we put on him. Well, God, I'm going to praise you and then you better do this for me. That's not how it works. God, we praise you just simply because you're worthy, you're holy, you're good, you're true, you're righteous, you're amazing, you're majestic, all of that. And now that I know that, God... Where are the opportunities for me to demonstrate that for other people, to talk with other people about that, God? Come on, we're going to get our praise on, somebody. Why don't you stand up with me right now? Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.